This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment-related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. My guest today is Ellen Brayton, a psychologist in the Boston area who is also an associate professor of psychology at Harvard Medical School. She's executive director of the Learning and Emotional Assessment Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. Her, she has written a book about processing speed, which is our um, subject for today, Bright Kids Who Can't Keep Up. And uh, we'll be talking about why it is kids that are obviously intelligent seem to have a lot of problems, particularly in school things, but also at home. Dr. Brayton, thanks for being on the program. Thank you for having me. This is my favorite topic to talk about, so I'm glad to be here. Well, let's start off talking about um, what do we mean by processing speed and what, kind of what difference does it make if it's slow or okay? You know, I explain it to uh, people as saying, well, the, the gears don't turn as fast. I think that's a, that's a good way to, to describe it, that the, it's not about the gears themselves or the motor. It's about how fast they, they work. And mm-hmm. so a really simple explanation of processing speed is how long it takes someone to get something done in a given period of time. And I actually became interested in this because I was, first and foremost, an ADHD researcher, and I do, in my clinical practice, pediatric neuropsychology, which just means I evaluate kids for things like ADHD and learning disabilities and developmental disorders. And I just became, over the years, kind of fascinated with the kids who seem to be slower in terms of their approach to the task. And on the tests that I would give them, and maybe even your listeners have had different tests done on themselves or their children, the area that would be uh, lower or a weakness for these children was in the area of processing speed. So we have an area of neurocognition that is defined as how long it takes someone to get something done on our test battery, for example. So I was interested in those kids because A lot of times people assume that kids who take a long time to get things done are inattentive or they're not trying hard enough or they're ADHD and disorganized. And Mm -hmm. I was finding that that wasn't the case for everybody. So that's how I got interested in this area. And it's really just, you know, I've been interested in the area of the overlap between processing speed and ADHD and then have found it's, it's, it's a lot more prevalent outside of ADHD than he had once thought. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. Yeah. So in terms of the ADHD part, is it always part of ADHD? Or if it's there, does that indicate what we might define as a learning disorder along with ADHD? Well, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. So in my study, and we are, we are following about 1,400 kids and families over time to see how they progress on this trait. And what we found is about 60% of the 
of kids with ADHD will have slower processing speed. And that's mm. probably more related to the inattentive symptoms than the hyperactive and impulsive symptoms. A lot of times people say, well, my child never slows down at all, but right. it's not necessarily, and that child might not have slow processing speed either, but they might take a long time to actually do their homework. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about processing speed, your ability to sort of put pen to paper or understand in real time what someone is saying and be able to do a motor task or come up with an answer to a question in a given period of time. So it's those sort of subtle things that oftentimes kids with inattention struggle with. But mm -hmm. not everybody with ADHD will have slow processing speed and not everyone with slow processing speed will have ADHD. I think that the task for a clinician is to sort it out so we know how best to help a child and parents can help with that because they're the ones who see just the day-to-day -day way their children do things and teachers can see the same but the parents are the our best resource for figuring that out are there different i guess you'd say different kinds of processing speed and different ways it may show up yes so some kids have primary problems in one of three areas, but most kids have a little bit of everything. But let me tell you what the big categories are. It's verbal, visual, and motor. So it's how quickly we can process information that's coming into our visual system. And if you think about a very simple sort of visual task, it would be how quickly our eyes dilate to light, for example, or how quickly our visual, we visually react to something like blinking. Now, when we're talking about this, we're talking about something a little bit more complicated, but it's basically, you know, I, I see something, I walk into a room, how quickly can I sort of visually scan it and get a sense of what's going on? And then there's verbal processing, which is probably the most complex of these, and that's your ability to understand what someone is saying in real time. Again, not given unlimited time, but, you know, in the right. moment, and then be able to generate an answer to that. And then motor speed, when we're talking about processing speed and motor speed, we're really talking about sort of more of the fine motor skills that are needed to do tasks in school. We're not really talking about how quickly someone can run, for example. Mm -hmm. So those are the three main areas. And I would say, you know, when you think about it, a lot of things require you to juggle at least two of those at any one time. But some kids have significant issues in one area. You asked before, and I didn't answer your question, about whether if you have slow processing speed and ADHD, could that be a sign of a learning disability? And it could be. So you could have a child with ADHD and who also has dyslexia, and slow processing speed can disrupt their language system. So it, mm -hmm. it, it's complicated and, and really finding, you know, the right kind of evaluation so you can look at each one of these areas is very important. And in terms of evaluation, and you mentioned the, the uh, neuropsychological, neuroeducational, psychoeducational, all the different terms for it, is that full battery and kind of formal testing, is that necessary to... I guess, define it officially so schools would accept it or colleges and, and uh, things for accommodations? 
or are there, well, that's one question, and are there less formal ways things parents could do or uh, teachers could help with in terms of getting a sense of this is what's going on? Well, I have to say that parents and teachers usually know already. They just don't know what it is. They, they'll, okay. you know, I, as I speak to parents, they'll be like, that's my child. That's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Without the testing itself, though, it can be hard to convince other people that it's anything but effort. And mm-hmm. so I am a big believer, and not just because this is what I do for a living, but I am a big believer that in order to be able to advocate for your child and get the right kinds of services, you, you need that kind of evaluation. And typically, a broad evaluation is what's most helpful because you want to tease out, is it more of a visual? It, you know, mm-hmm. Do they have good verbal, good verbal skills, for example, but it's the visual issue and the motor speed problems that are tripping them up because it helps also use their strengths to build on their weaknesses or, you know, help Mm -hmm. build up their weaknesses. So that's what, that's important. There aren't any really good checklists for us that can measure how quickly someone processes information. In in the book that that I wrote that you mentioned, we do have some checklists in there that give you a, a general sense, but it's not anything that's really scientific. It, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's in some ways is a very complicated issue and very individualistic too. Yeah, and I I think you touched on a uh, good point that a lot of people look at this testing as okay. Let's find what isn't working, but it's also going to find what what the strengths are, what that child can do well. So you know, what can we do to play to the strengths, which is psychologically maybe more important that uh, the child and parents know that this kid has some things they can do very well and sometimes much better than others. It, it can be so confirming for kids and for parents to, to be able to label those too, like, and, and to be able to say, you know, it takes me a while to process information or, you know, when the, when the conversation is going fast, I have trouble keeping up, but I can do, you know, I, I, I can read about things well, or I can draw well, or I have good visual motor mm-hmm. skills, or given the right amount of time, I'm better than average at this, this, and this. I think that can be a very, very therapeutic thing for a child. So yeah. I, I agree. Um, I see uh, particular kids I'm thinking of, they're twins, and they're very intelligent. Uh, they can talk about um, things way beyond their 11-year-old uh, presentation, I guess, their age. Um, but they they get so distracted by so many things that they end up not paying attention to what they need to. But it, yeah. one of them, I think both of them, they can decide they want to make a basically an origami model of a robot. There are no plans or design. They just do it. And that to me is absolutely mind blowing that, okay, I want to make, and it may be a, you know, robot figure from a video game or something, but they can look at it, take one piece of paper and make it out of folding paper. And, you know, one of them saying, well, I, having a hard time figuring out 
how to make his arm move in paper. And wow, uh, I can barely fold a paper airplane so it does anything. And for someone to make a robot that's standing up and can move body parts out of one piece of paper is amazing. But getting him to and pay attention is the, the tricky part. Right. And and I think you you brought up a good point, though, and, and I hope I say this more than once in our conversation, that there are lots of things in life that require a slow, methodical approach. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned that this, you know, Charlie's kids are really good at this visual motor processing, but this the sort of thing that you're describing demands slow visual motor processing. It's not a quick, you know, it's not an artist mm-hmm. on, on the street who needs to draw a, a picture in, you know, two minutes of, of somebody's portrait. This, this requires real slow and careful approach because you, you can't do something like this quickly. So this is mm-hmm. where having slow processing speed is also a strength, even though we look at it as a weakness. And in our society, it often is. We, we live in a fast-paced society, or we did before COVID at least. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's definitely not necessarily a weakness across the board. And then when paired with other strengths, can be an incredibly empowering thing. And yeah. so I, you bring up a very good point. To, yeah, to know that strength is there is important for both parents and child. I wonder, um, because so many things in in school, there's the timed math test, how many additions or multiplications or whatever can you do in a minute. Um, and essays are, you have half an hour to write this. Is that is that really teaching a skill that's needed by most people? Um, or, you know, you have to, yes, you have to figure out this Excel spreadsheet and come up with data. And is it developing a skill that kids need, or is it just kind of separating out those with slower processing speed and whatever we call normal? So I definitely think it's the latter. And I am not a big fan of, let's just take multiplication math minutes. This is something that is very commonly done in classrooms and where kids will have a page of math problems, even sometimes very simple, they're learning their multiplication facts, and they have one minute or three minutes to do as many Mm -hmm. simple multiplication facts as they can. That is not teaching anything at all. It's not teaching how well they do it. It's not teaching them how to do it. It's just measuring how quickly they can learn this. And it's not just measuring, when you think about it, just math facts. It's also measuring penmanship, how quickly they're, again, that visual processing comes in. We're we're measuring tiny differences between people, but those differences add up. So if you take a long time, you know, even just a split second longer to look at a problem before it kind of registers visually, and then you've got to put it into mathematical concepts or verbal concepts, you know, six times six is 36. Mm -hmm. All of those things are happening at the same time. What you're measuring in those sorts of math minute tests is the processing speed. It's not really the math. It's definitely, there is nothing about that that is teaching a child how 
math, how math works. It's right. not and teaching them six times six or two times four. Yeah. And even I mean, at, at home, they can practice their multiplication tables and they can tell you six times six and four times five, but that's when they've got that time and they're also choosing the order of it. When they're you don't know what the next one's going to be. Is it six, six or five times nine? They have to process that yes. part. And then you may have the, the number memorized to what it is, but they um, may get jumbled up because it's coming at unpredictable times. Um, so that may be one of the, the ways to uh, at least question for me to ask or parent brings up or child does, then I'm going to get thinking of maybe this is a slow processing speed issue. On top of that, kids with ADHD, in those kinds of math, um, we're just picking on math here, I know, but mm-hmm. it, can, it can be even more difficult for a child with ADHD who has trouble with shifting sets, meaning mm-hmm. going back and forth from one thing to the next, when those math sheets are all mixed up. So it's two plus two, eight times four, nine minus five, that when they're mm-hmm. having to constantly shift back and forth. So sometimes kids know those facts really well, but then are required to use them quickly and flexibly. And that's another thing that just, you know, can be even more difficult for kids with ADHD. And again, what you're measuring is not their math facts, but their ability to shift that and pay attention to details, which is mm-hmm. not well, and the that, purpose of those. That brings up something that uh, it took me a while to sort out exactly what it means. And I, um, in terms of when we say shifting sets and um, what, is, what does that mean, I guess, neurologically? And again, how does it show up um, for kids. So neurologically, just generally, it, it probably has something to do with frontal lobe efficiency. And we know that, that kids with ADHD can pay very good attention, like the example that you gave about the, the origami robot, they can pay attention very well to things that are compelling to them. What they struggle with is more of a flexibility in attention as opposed to just a gross poor attention. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, so that flexibility in thinking and shifting what we call cognitive set or shifting from one task to the next is part of that problem with cognitive flexibility. And good people with good attention skills know that, okay, time to stop paying attention to this and start paying attention to that. You know, it's, it's the, I don't know, it's the end of the lunch hour, you know, they just got to pack up your lunch and move on into something else. Kids with ADHD struggle with that probably because their frontal lobes are not as efficient as being, at being able to do that process. And mm-hmm. I, I'm you know, sort of being simplistic here, but, but really we don't have a whole lot of more complex reasons as to why that, that particular area can be difficult, but it probably has to do with just being over-focused sometimes and not having that ability to be flexible. And then if you've got slow processing speed, that flexibility is even slowed down more. So Mm -hmm. if it's time to make a decision about what you want for dinner and, you know, mom or dad says it's 
it's you know I can stick in some chicken pieces or pizza and the child's like uh, you know they can't quite figure out what they want because they're still trying to process chicken pieces pizza what was I just doing now and so it's all that shifting set and making up a decision is all kind of mm-hmm. wrapped up into one yeah and I I see that um, in terms of the ADD uh, shifting set maybe uh, child is reading a book or maybe more likely now playing a video game. And if mom says, don't forget to take out the trash, but child's paying attention to the video game, the take out the trash part, that's somewhere else. That's not now. But even if mom says, I want you to look at me, pause your game for a second. I want you to take out the trash. That's still a set shift from, I've been doing this game and I'm trying to get to the next level to come back to reality and, oh, okay, I've got to go to the kitchen. I got to get the trash, et cetera. And that, that process is going to probably take longer than, okay, mom, and back to the game. And that's where it may show up that mom (laughs) says, oh, you're just blowing me off. You want to keep playing your game. And yeah, the attention is certainly on the game. That's a lot more compelling than, taking out the trash, but part of that may be that slow processing speed. Um, so, Absolutely. So that would be one way, for instance, it shows up at, at home. What are some of the other ways a parent in the kinds of things kids are doing at home would uh, think, boy, something's wrong more than you just, um, I keep on having to ask three times, come on, we have to get ready for school. So I think that the the biggest area, other than what you just said, is sort of slow to get going with almost anything. So whether it's, you know, getting dressed, going to a friend's house, those sorts of things. But then the other area tends to be around homework. And I'm, I'm really curious how parents, I mean, I've talked to many parents over the last year, and some of them are seeing this processing speed issue in full, uh, you know, they're, they're seeing it all day, every yeah. day, whereas before COVID, they were seeing it mostly in homework, where it would take kids a long time to get their thoughts on paper. Even kids who don't have a learning disability, who have no problems decoding words or even understanding them, might have trouble just in their reading fluency. They might be slow, a slow reader. Um, and also, we, we hit on this, but I think it's worth mentioning again that kids have trouble sustaining attention to task, not because the primary problem is necessarily the attention, but because the information is coming in so quickly that uh-huh. their attention is lost. So they might see this in situations where you might be at a, a big family event or there may be things going on in the background and there's too much going on and therefore they didn't get what was happening because they just couldn't absorb any of it. Um, I think you might also see as a parent trouble retrieving things from long-term memory even though you know the child has it in there and what the problem is is that they can't get to that information quickly enough to come up with a a response. And the other thing that that we have found in our research that I think is 
it worth pointing out is a lot of kids with slower processing speed have trouble with friendships. And it, when I first started to examine kids with slower processing speed, I was interested in this overlap of, you know, ADHD, kids with ADHD who had this as part of their, their profile. But also a lot of the kids who wound up having pro, slow processing speed were referred to me by psychiatrists and neurologists and pediatricians to rule out autism spectrum. And most of them didn't have autism spectrum, but they had this sort of quality of, of trouble with social relationships and then this slower speed of processing. Hmm. So that's another thing that parents might want to look at, even though their child seems friendly and loving and caring and empathic, they might have some issues with, with friendships. And is that because friends are, get kind of impatient, come on, what's the matter? And then start, you're a dummy, um, kind of more the bullying that this kid's obviously different and they're slow and they're weird. Yeah, that's right. It's sort of like, you know, we, we already told you what the games, what the rules of the game was were why aren't you remembering this but also mm -hmm. kids with slow processing speed can just take longer to pick up on social cues they can have difficulty when they come into a room you know like the classroom or a party just figuring out the underlying what's going on there because of maybe even problems with just visual processing and they can you sort of um, hinted at this but they can have trouble just with normal interactions because it can be a little bit stilted sometimes because it can take them a long time to figure out a response. Um, mm -hmm. They can also be sort of disorganized when they're trying to tell a story or a joke or something and even take more time to respond to jokes or puns or sarcasm. And so they don't always get what's going on. And then, like you said, people either, you know, could heartedly tease them or sometimes even worse. And that can make it difficult for them, of course. So at home, what are some of the kinds of things parents can do to help the child, um, I guess, succeed in whether it's getting dressed for school or finding your things and keep at it so things do get done maybe a little bit faster than they had been? Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you bring up a good point because when things don't go well, emotions rise and that slows mm -hmm. everyone down. So, so some of the things that, that parents can do there, I came up with this idea of the, the three A's of processing, which is to accept, accommodate, and advocate. And I think that parents have to think of all of those when we're thinking about at-home strategies. So acceptance means it's a lot of what we've been talking about already. Knowing what the problem is can already make it somewhat better. Knowing that it's going to take longer to get something done can already make you feel like, oh, all right then, I'm, you know, I, 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 I understand this. And, and I've had many parents say to me as I've explained their child test results say, oh, you mean it's just going to take them longer to do stuff? Oh, all right, well, I, I can live with that. It's, you know, yeah. it's not that he's being defiant or being, it, that's, that's, I think, one thing that parents, that mindset alone can help. And then accommodations mm -hmm. are things that make your life easier and help kids speed up. And so you want to make sure that you're making your life as efficient as possible. Um, you want to minimize as many sources of stress as, as you can. 
Um, you want to make sure that if your child does have any other definable disability or learning difference, you want to make sure you're treating that as much as possible. So if your child does have ADHD, you want to make sure you're also treating the ADHD. If they have dyslexia, you want to make sure that you're treating that. And, and in a lot of ways, one reason why I became interested in this population was because I found that kids with any disorder who had slower processing speed didn't seem to make as much progress as those who didn't. And so I feel that if you're on the cusp of, like, let's say you've got a child with ADHD and slow processing speed, and you're, you're wondering, should we try medication? You know, medication's been suggested, but we're sort of on the fence. My suggestion is to try a little bit more than, than average as opposed to a little bit less than average. So you want to make sure you're maximizing all of those things. And then, um, you know, making sure that you are minimizing stressors, like I said, and changing, doing a lot of other things like changing the way you talk, looking at how you approach your child, you know, modify that so that it, you're giving information in a way that is understandable to them and then keeping two routines, keeping things the same place, the same mm -hmm. time um, is important. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. This has been a, a great conversation. Um, my guest today has been Dr. Ellen Brayton, who has written a book on processing speed and how it, for some people, that's just how fast the gears turn in their brain. Uh, Bright Kids Who Can't Keep Up uh, is her book, and she's been a, a great help, and it's uh, wonderful to have had you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So this is Dr. David Pomeroy on ADHD Focus, and uh, we'll hope that when you have questions about slow processing speed, you can uh, get Dr. Brayton's book. You can listen to this podcast and ask questions of the teachers and the clinicians that are helping you with your child. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>